Hi, I'm Tom Hansen. And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey. In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking to Tracy Lavecki. She is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist for the last 25 years. She's also a heart warrior and the co-author of the book, Healing Hearts and Minds, a holistic approach to coping well with CHD. What's cool about Tracy is that she specializes in working with people and their families dealing with serious and chronic illness. We have a great conversation, and what I loved about the book is it, it it's hearts and minds, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really bringing this great supplement that is so needed in the in this world, which is the emotional side, the psychological side. What I love most about it is that it is her book and her advice is just so practical. Yes. The book does a great job of listing out the the possible mental health issues that can arise as a result of going through having a condition like CHD. Mental health issues that can arise both in the patient and their family members and loved ones. And describing those things in layman's terms so that they're easy to understand. And then going through each and every one of those things and telling you, here is a specific thing you can do to help cope with that emotion or that feeling. So whether you are a heart warrior living with CHD or you are a parent or loved one of someone with CHD, we have a great conversation that will greatly benefit you. And we'd also definitely encourage you to check out her book, Healing Hearts and Minds. Absolutely. So let's jump to our chat with Tracy. Tracy Lavecki, we're so excited that you're here. We're so excited to talk about your book. So thankful you're here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. To start off, for any of your listeners that may not be very familiar with you or your story, could you start off just telling us a little bit of a background of you and your story and your connection to CHD. Yeah, sure. So I'm a clinical social worker, and um, one of my specialties is working with adults who have congenital heart conditions. And I also have lived experience as someone with a congenital heart condition. I have transposition of the great arteries, and I had um, something called the mustard procedure uh, back in the late 60s. I was one of the first. I was in the hospital for quite a while as a two-year-old, in and out for caths as a child. And then when I was 12 years old, I um, went in for my first pacemaker. So I have had a pacemaker ever since. So I'm now 55 years old. I love birthdays. Um, I'm not one that's going to hide my age. So um, yeah, I'm married. I have two heart-healthy daughters. Um, I call them adults in training. (laughs) They're 19 and 23. Um, And, you know, I wasn't always sure that I was going to be able to safely carry a pregnancy. So that was a very stressful time in my life going through getting different opinions, you know, having a number of different tests to, you know, see if that was something I could do safely. 
Um, and I was really lucky that I, I was able to. Um, and um, I have a really busy private practice in Connecticut. And I see uh, people over the age of 16. Um, I have a general practice with people with stress, needing help with some high stress, depression, anxiety. And I do probably have about 25 to 30% of the folks I see with serious chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And my um, area of interest is working with cardiac patients, especially those with CHD. Um, I didn't always have that that specialty, but um, years ago, I actually consulted at UCLA's Adult Congenital Heart um, Center. And, um, you know, I, I met with a lot of their patients there and saw that many of them were going through their experience, their lived experience as someone with a congenital heart condition and weren't getting a lot of emotional support. Weren't, there weren't really a lot of resources out there for them. And, um, and, you know, I knew that I had had the same experience, you know, even as a teenager, I remember thinking, geez, why isn't anyone asking me how I'm doing? I was just in the hospital for the third time as a 13 year old, you know, there's, there's something here missing. And I, I didn't quite have the, the language for it back then, but when I started um, consulting there, a light bulb just went off and um, I said, you know, I need to start talking about this more. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's around the time that I started writing and advocating um, for more resources and more awareness yeah. for what um, individuals go through, not only um, individuals with the heart condition, but also family members, mm-hmm. parents and siblings and spouses. Um, so, you know, I mean, even my mom, you know, will say back then, no one really even checked in with her to see yeah. how she was doing. And I know that there are um, a number of parents, for instance, that go through this with their child that end up with PTSD afterwards. Right. So, you know, I just, you know, that's when I just started really making this, in addition to raising my girls, making this my life's work, right. um, talking about it, educating people, letting folks know that, you know, a lot of what you may be feeling um, is very normal, very normal mm. emotions um, in response to a very unique life situation, mm-hmm. right? It's not really normal to have to be in and out of the hospital as a child or have to think about these issues as a teenager. So if, you know, somebody has a low mood or has some worry, you know, it could be very normal. Um, I actually partnered also with um, another individual with a congenital heart condition who's a psychologist, and we wrote a book about this. And um, in the book, we talk a lot about that. Um, And we also talk about how to know when you need some additional help or some additional support um, to try to know the difference between um, the two. Yeah, that's something that I I loved about your book was it's very good at just kind of laying out here are all the different things that an individual with CHD could be dealing with, with mental health. And then that's kind of like the first half of your book and you guys do such a good job of like putting it in layman's terms because I think oftentimes with like 
more, you know, medical lingo, sometimes doctors don't take the time to really, you know, put it on like a layman's level. And you guys do such a good job of that. Um, So I always felt like I understood what you were saying when you guys are are laying things out, all the different like mental health issues that could present themselves and why they can come up. You know, I saw myself in those and I and I don't have CHD, but I have a son with CHD. Um, And so I found that to be very helpful and and saw, you know, symptoms that our son Harding is having and being able to say, oh, like that's what's going on in him was super beneficial And then also like the second half of your book is, okay, and here's what you do about it. (laughs) You know, like here are the helpful things that you can do. Very, very practical. I mean, even down to exact things to go do to help with this exact feeling or emotion or issue that you're having. And and one of your lines in the book that um, stood out to me was that is when we're in like survival mode or there's like a health crisis going on in our lives or in our loved one's life, we forget how to do all the normal things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we forget how to do these things that came instinctually before mm-hmm. that to take care of ourselves, we forget how to do them Absolutely. Be- because we're so in the moment with our heart warrior um, and just making sure that they're taken care of, that we forget how to take care of ourselves and you, go into you know you have a whole chapter about here's what loved ones can do for their loved one with chd that was like super beneficial to me and and really felt like you put i don't know just really good words to to things that i had experienced and been feeling oh well well thank you for that i'm i'm glad it was helpful and i thought it we both thought it was really important to you know not only talk about um, what we're seeing as challenges, but also to give solutions, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and how to really cope and cope, you know, that's the title of the book, um, how to cope, you know, from a holistic perspective, mm-hmm. but how to thrive mm-hmm. and how to not, how to grow up and not define yourself by your CHD. Right. right? And mm-hmm. I always say, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a writer, I'm a social worker, I'm a wife who happens to have a, a CHD. Right. So, um, you know, I think it's really important to um, emphasize that. The other thing that I think is important is, you know, and I, I hope it came across in the book that, you know, everyone's different. And even though we listed a lot of challenges, you know, we wanted to make sure people knew that not everybody's going to experience those challenges. Right. right? So we wanted to cover all of them. Um, but to know that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, your loved one, your child will experience those. So um, I think that was important because it's CHD has such a heterogeneous group of individuals with so many different diagnoses and, you know, prognoses. So, um, you know, that's something I think people need to keep in mind when reading it. I think what's really great and fascinating about the book, and this is something that's come up many times in our conversations with people in the uh, field, uh, is that there's a lot of work and innovation brought to addressing these from a physical standpoint. But now what we're seeing is 
the need to address them from an emotional standpoint, a psychological standpoint, Mm -hmm. from a community standpoint, uh, that more or less we've, okay, well, we've gotten these kids to survive Mm -hmm. um, and, and get past childhood. But now we're looking at all of the things that have happened. And, you know, and I've shared this before many times on the podcast, but, you know, one cardiologist put it this way, that there's a population of humans on the earth that have never lived on the earth before. And so now we're dealing with all the things that we've just never known. And I think mm-hmm. I love that you're bringing in, it's like, okay, we're, we're working on the heart, but we're now also working on the head and just the, the emotion, psychological stuff that surrounds this. And, and I think I love that. And so as curious, could you maybe speak a little bit to, to that, especially as someone who's an expert in this field and, lived in and you were and more or less pioneered as a as a uh you know a heart warrior who had like an early condition maybe kind of your thoughts on that physical versus emotional and psychological healing yeah i think that you're right i think that treatment and technology had um improved so dramatically and so quickly um in the middle of the 20th century that focus was on survival and um, very little else was really thought about. I think, I think if my doctors back then knew that I would be talking to you um, in 2023, they'd be very surprised. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that they thought that I would still be here. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, look, as a social worker, I know how important and what a strong connection it is, the emotional piece, the psychological piece, um, to physical health. And as someone going through, um, you know, physical, different physical challenges, that always comes up. You know, I remember um, as a young 20-something-year-old looking through libraries and bookstores for anything that would help me feel less alone, that Mm. would speak to the challenges, the psychological and emotional challenges I was having. And all of the books in the bookstore were focused on older adults that had high cholesterol and needed lifestyle changes, you know, and I couldn't relate to that. So that, that was a very lonely feeling, right? So part of what we hope to do with the book is to help people feel more connected and less alone. And to know that there are others out there that have gone through similar experiences. Um, There is a community, there is, um, you know, ways to connect with others, um, with peers um, because I think that's so important, not only getting through health-related crises, but just life in general. Yeah. You know, those of us with congenital heart conditions, we have all of the quote-unquote normal stressors in life, and then we have that additional layer of health-related stressors. So juggling and balancing that in a practical way also can be tricky. I think there's... In addition to that, I think that there's this other barrier you guys have or, or added piece where people can't see your disease. You some some heart warriors use a handicapped parking spot and get yelled at by some onlooker because they don't see the disease that they're dealing with. Right. Like situations like that. And I would imagine that that would feel so frustrating and, and be like a mental health issue for me. If that if that was something I was going through was would be feeling so frustrated that like people can't see what's going on in me. 
Yeah, for many of us, it, it, I mean, this is a hidden, kind of a hidden quote unquote um, condition that mm. most people don't see unless we're, you know, topless or, or at the beach, right. you know, yeah. with scars showing um, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is hard. I, I know I've heard those stories too about, you know, getting yelled at. Why are you, you're young, you're, you know, in your twenties, why do you need to be parking here? Um, you know, or whatever the accommodation might be, right. you know, some people, um, you know, also I think may want to remain kind of hidden because they're so afraid of being treated differently. They may have been mm-hmm. treated differently as a child. You know, I remember being on the playground and not being able to keep up with my peers or having mm-hmm. to sit out in PE. So there's some of us that, you know, may, and I don't do this anymore, but back then I, I may have not wanted to kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really just depends again on the individual, um, their experiences and, um, you know, what kind of accommodations they may or may not need. Hey everyone, just taking a quick break from this episode to talk to you about our book. It's called Hope and Courage, Six Life Lessons from the Parents of a Child with Congenital Heart Disease. Yeah, we wrote it about our experience with our son Harding, but we also wrote it from just the knowledge that we've gained from specialists, heart warriors, and just other people in this whole CHD world. Yeah, we're really proud of this book. We worked really hard on it, and it was our our hope was that CHD parents would read this book and just feel equipped for their CHD journey with their child. So if you haven't read it yet, please pick it up. It's on Amazon. And, and if you have someone who needs this book, make sure you tell them about it. In writing your book and doing the research, what was the most surprising thing that you learned or that you found in writing the book? I think the history for me was fascinating. Hmm. The the technological history, um, medical history. I, I also um, think once the book was, was written, well, let me back up. The fact that I wrote a book with someone I've never met before successfully Hmm. and we're good friends. Yeah is a little surprising. Yeah. (laughs) I think that actually tops it all. Yeah. I remember people saying to me, oh my gosh, are you crazy? You know, you're, you're going to do what? And, you know, and you know, it was just, you know, a feeling. It was just a feeling. And we, you know, had a lot of virtual meetings and that worked out well. And also I think one of the beautiful surprises, um, I suspected it, but I wasn't sure was the feedback we're getting from the mm-hmm. CHD community. It's been really, really so gratifying, honestly, because I've been getting emails and, you know, just hearing from, from people like you and, and others um, in the community has been great, great. And I'm so glad that, you know, the book is, is getting out there and um, making its way around and getting into the hands of those people that need it. Mental health is, I think, finally being focused on in the CHD community as something that needs to be addressed. And then, two, the other thing we're seeing is adult congenital health centers being created. And as a part of those centers, they're adding mental health care. I just think that your book fits so well into, into all of this that's, like, happening is, like, these 
children that survived are now adults and they need our help. You know, they need resources. They need to be cared for. Their mental health needs to be cared for. Their care needs to be coordinated. They need to have a team. And that shouldn't stop just because they're adults. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I love that your book is is providing support. And I think that's what people are responding to are, are these adults and families, you know, family members who are hungry for resources. I think CHD can be, the CHD world and community can sometimes be a dark place because we're all in pain. We're all struggling through this disease and how it's affecting the heart warriors, how it's affecting them, and then how it's affecting us as their family members. And so whenever a resource arises that sheds light on something that's really tough and gives us like I always describe it as like uh, a knot in the rope to hold on to. Instead of giving up, we have something to hold on to and help us get through this journey more successfully, you know, and, and, and make the burden a little less heavy. And so, I mean, I think that that's why people are responding so well to your book, because it really provides that. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, going back to the latter part of the book, we really wanted to have tangible steps that people could take, Mm -hmm. you know, when they were having challenges, whether it was the individual themselves or family, we even have a chapter for medical providers. I saw, yeah. Um, recommendations for physicians, mm-hmm. what to do, what not to do, what not to say, mm-hmm. um, and also for mental health providers um, as well, because there just aren't enough of us out there. Right. And while centers for adults are talking more about this, more needs to be done. Yes. Many of them still do not have providers. And if they do, um, you know, they may not be there for as many hours as they may need or right. you're know, limited in capacity. Very limited. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So um, some, some programs are really, um, I'm very impressed with some of the programs, but some of them still need to, I think, do a little bit of work and, you know, awareness needs to continue to grow. It's right. always been really surprising to me um, how little awareness there is. And I remember being in my twenties and being hospitalized and asking to talk to somebody. And I said, I just need to talk to someone to prepare for this surgery mm-hmm. that I'm having in two days. I was in the hospital and the person they sent, well, first they sent a play therapist to me, which was not helpful at all as right. a nine-year-old. Yeah. And then they sent somebody from oncology and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand why don't we have somebody like her right. that mm-hmm. you easily access, you know, and, and the prevalence, you know, this is the number one birth defect in the world Mm -hmm. and, and it's 50% more prevalent than childhood cancer. Mm -hmm. Why isn't this happening? I just, you know, I couldn't get my head around that. And I still, I still, you know, wonder about that. And Mm -hmm. um, we'll continue to talk about that because I think it's really important for, for, individuals of all ages to have yeah. this type of support. Absolutely. 
you know, uh, one perspective that we've kind of fought to have is that, you know, we would never say CHD was the best thing that ever happened to us. It's not. That's not how Mm -hmm. we would characterize it. If we had a magic wand, we'd make it go away in a second without a second thought. But uh, we don't have that choice, Mm -hmm. but we have the choice to seek the positives or for lack of a better word, the benefits of, of going through the experience. And I know that that is actually a part of your book is the, is speaking to those benefits. And really that's a lot of what our whole focus of hope and courage is about. So I'd really love to just hear from you, hear your perspective about the, the good things that you've been able to take from your experience with CHD or that other parents or uh, survivors or heart warriors could take? Yeah, we felt it was important to recognize that. And there's a term called post-traumatic growth, mm-hmm. which is um, basically, you know, some of those potential hidden gifts that come out of going through difficult times or trauma, mm-hmm. traumatic times. And so, you know, one of them is, um, some people come out feeling more resilient, more emotionally resilient, able to handle stressors for the rest of their life a little easier. You know, some people talk about, and I know for me, for sure, having some deeper relationships with people in their life. Mm -hmm. Those people that have stood by me during really hard times, I will never forget, you know, Mm -hmm. and that has deepened those relationships and I'm there for them now. And I know that, you know, they may need, need me one day. Um, so it really helps to helped, helped me to evaluate my relationships and also to prioritize. You know, a lot of people tell me, mm. well, my priorities are so much clearer now. You know, I remember wishing when I was really sick at one point in the hospital, wishing for normal problems. I wished for three things. I wished to feel sunshine on my face again to be able to get back to my apartment to water my plants and um, for normal everyday problems, a fight with my boyfriend or husband, financial problems, I would take in two seconds Mm -hmm. to get out of the ICU. And so now in my life, when I have, I'm fighting with my, you know, 19 year old or, you know, have stress with work. I am so grateful for that, quite frankly, Mm. that I'm able to experience that. And so I think that's also something that I I also hear a lot from other folks that I work with. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So much much of our audience are parents who maybe just got the news about their child's diagnosis. And we always like to ask, uh, from your perspective, what, what is one piece of advice or one thing that you would share with a parent who maybe just got the news about their child's uh, CHD diagnosis? I would say that there's always hope. Medical technology is changing every day. And um, I think that's something that's really important to hang on to. I know I've hung on to it my whole life and it's come through to me, come through for me so far. And as a parent, I understand the need and, and, and you know, how important it is to protect your child at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe that one of the best gifts my parents gave me was the ability to develop my own autonomy mm-hmm. and to develop my own independence without holding me back. And I think that that has helped tremendously for me to grow up, to try to reach my full potential, 
and to live life without always being fearful. You know, I was able to go away to college. I moved across the country when I wanted to. You know, of course, you know, there was some questions about connecting with care and whatnot, but but they didn't hold me back. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, they really did encourage me to challenge myself socially and academically. And I think that that's really important. You know, you had mentioned that the field is is always evolving and changing and growing. So it's it's this really interesting dynamic where the adults living with CHD who are more or less trying to helping us understand what the future looks like for our kids also went through a very different, you know, different procedures, different care, different experience there. And so it's this, you know, and I I have to imagine that that had to have been something that came up in your book, uh, that you were trying to shape, in some ways, we're trying to set expectations for later in life, but those expectations are constantly evolving. Is that, was that something that you uh, dealt with in the book or what are your, uh, what's your perspective on that? Well, it is true that people born with what I was born with have a completely different type of surgery now with very different follow-up care, Mm -hmm. things that they're looking out for. Um, And the book really was written for adults. However, we did try to address that what we experienced as pioneering patients is looks very, very differently than what kids go through today. So we did talk about that in the book. Um, and I hope that that message got across because it's, it's true, you know, technology um, is rapidly changing. And um, I think that, you know, what I've gone through as somebody with TGA, um, the person that's born tomorrow with TGA is going to, have a very different trajectory. And I think for parents, it's important to realize that. Yeah, I think I think the commonality there, though, is that it's all hard. <laughs> like it's yeah. none of your experience wasn't easy. A kid going through it today, it's still not easy. It is a traumatic experience to receive open heart surgery at 10 days old, you know, or three mm-hmm. or, or whenever it is that that they're getting it. And I think while the hardship itself can vary in in the experience, I think hardships in general is something we all go through and we all go through some sort of, of trauma. And I think what your book does well is saying like, here's what happens when you go through something like this. You know, mm-hmm. when you go through something like this, here are the possibilities of the things you could be dealing with. Um, and I do think you say like, doesn't mean you're going to deal with all these things, but Mm -hmm. if these things show up, here's what it is. Here's the definition of what that thing is. Here are ways you can identify it. You explain it. And then you give practical advice on like, if that happens, here's what you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, regardless of, of the experience that you guys just give a really good light on mental health care. (laughs) <laughs> in general, you know, and in, in, in ways that you can can cope with hardship. I, I'm curious, how did you and Liza meet? I was um, asked to give a talk on body image at a conference. Mm-hmm. And um, I was doing research and I came across some slides of hers. She had done this exhibit 
in the UK um, called Scarred for Life. Mm. So there were these really big, cool poster boards with pictures of individuals with their, you know, scars showing. Mm. And then the actual individual was standing next to the big, um, you know, exhibit Mm. next to their photo to show how if you looked at that individual, you would never know all of those scars that they had. So I came across that and I reached out to her and I asked, may I use the slide for my talk? And we just started talking over the years and sharing stories and, you know, talking about our advocacy work. And one day, one of us said, I'm, I'm writing a book. And the other one said, I am too. And we exchanged outlines and they were almost identical. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, they really were. So we decided to, to write it together. Yeah. And it was really a pretty smooth process, I have to say. You know, we divided all the chapters up and... And then we swapped and edited and I would wake up every morning because of the time change to her edits and vice Mm. versa. So that was, that was really nice. Yeah. So it's been good. And we're actually meeting for the first time. She's coming to visit on May 30th. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. She and her family, they'll stay here and uh, it'll, it'll be great to be able to, to give her a hug and, you know, and chat in person. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, that's I so can imagine incredible. that's going to be, I, I feel emotional thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're really excited. Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite an experience. And, and like I said earlier, now I have a good friend right. who lives across the globe and, and that's a beautiful thing. That's right. You got to go to Scotland too. You gotta... Well, that's right. I, <laughs> exactly. That's on my bucket list. <laughs> so we'll plan that next. Okay, Tracy. So our our uh, kind of last segment here, we do something kind of fun. We call it the bag of questions. So we have kind of fun, sometimes inspirational questions. We just throw out with no prep and just kind of get your first reaction. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so first question: What is something interesting about you that we would have never guessed? Well, okay. I think I've got something. I sang in a punk rock band when I was a teenager. Whoa. Yeah. When you were a teenager? Yeah, I was in high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is amazing. That's a bit, What was the name? Yeah, we just it, just it, you know, a party or, so, you know, occasional. It was called The Outpatients. <laughs> Whoa, that is amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh. I don't think anyone would know that. <laughs> that is the best answer we've ever gotten to I that know, question. right? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Good. The outpatients. Wait, so did you, did you say you were the singer? I, I sang with them. You sang with them. Okay. Got yes, it. The singer, but I, I would occasionally sing with them. That's so cool. Wow. That's great. Yep. And so uh, this, this kind of leads into my next question. What is your favorite eighties jam? Mm. I have a lot of them. I mean, I really, in the eighties, I listened to a lot of seventies music. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I did. I loved Led Zeppelin and oh Fleetwood Mac is my my I guess Fleetwood Mac was 80s. So I love Fleetwood Mac. My parents raised us on Fleetwood Mac. We listened to oh, them nice. constantly. Mm-hmm. Love them. Nix and I share the same birthday. Oh, do you? Yes. And That's I always so cool. tried to, you know, dress like her and had a perm, <laughs> you know, tried to have hair like her. Yeah. So I would say probably Fleetwood Mac. That's awesome. Okay. Any song in particular? 
I love them all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can't choose. Nope. <laughs> My favorite is, I think, You Make Love and Fun. Oh, yeah. I love that Okay, we'll end on somewhat of an inspirational one. Uh, What inspires you most? I would say uh, my children. Hmm. Yeah, I really really, um, admire them. They keep me going. Hmm. You know, they give me energy. When I'm with them, I'm so full of life Hmm. and, um, you know, life and hope. And I'm just so proud of them both. So, yeah, I would say my girls. That's awesome. Yeah. I would love to just ask you, because I think that's something that, you know, every parent thinks about, you know, when you, you're you looking at your kid, you're thinking, gosh, because even, even Harding brought this up the other day. I don't know if I told you about this. Hey, he talks about marriage and kids a lot. He's just yeah. kind of fixated on that right now, which mm-hmm. is great. Cause he was asking me about how I asked Kat's parents for her hand in marriage and did that whole thing. Very traditional thing. And, uh, and he said, I'm worried that, uh, my wife's parents will be mad cause they don't want to have kids that have CHD and mm-hmm. like, they'll be mad at me. They won't want me to, to marry their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to, we talked through that, but I don't know where he came, but he was just, he's already kind of thinking about that, right? you know, and, and, uh, and I imagine a lot of parents are maybe on behalf of their child or maybe adults are thinking that I know you mentioned earlier that you had some trepidation going into pregnancy, but yeah, what would, what was your experience as a mother with CHD? You said, you know, you heard, you kind of said like CHD is just kind of the extra thing on top of everything else, right? Um, but what was that like in terms of just kind of your experience as a, as a mother there? You know, I, I was really lucky that I got through my pregnancies and had the energy to raise them. I was a little, a little worried about, you know, the after, after pregnancy being there for them. So, um, I, you know, I, I worked hard to be honest with them about my condition but not scare them and do it in a developmentally appropriate way. You know, thinking about what Harding's concern was or is, I remember having similar concerns to him. Mm. I remember thinking no one would ever marry me because of my scars. Mm. So I think that I, I'm so impressed with him that he even brought that up and shared that with you. Mm. As a parent, I think that's a huge win. Mm. I don't think I ever shared that concern with anyone when I was growing up. So I would, as a parent, and I try to do this with my own kids, keep the door open for these difficult conversations Mm -hmm. that they may be apprehensive about putting out there, maybe for fear of worrying you or, you know, um, bringing it to life. But I would just encourage the way I do, I try to do this with my kids is to let them talk to me about anything, you know, and we can work through it and, and to reassure him that, you know, when he finds the right person, that will, that will not, he won't really have to worry about that, you know, and, and that he's so young and he doesn't need to be thinking about that right now, but to Mm. try to talk it through. Uh, You know, I don't always have the right words, but I think, I think, Maybe I'll throw them out there and let let you judge how the how, the, <laughs> how I answered that. Um, but I just answered that that because his concern was the parents are going to be mad, and I just said, 
all all that they will care about is that you are someone who loves their daughter. And if you love their daughter well, then they will love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of like it doesn't have anything to do with the condition. You know, I think I think that's been a lot of our conversations lately with him have been just trying to, you know, the way I, the way I've been talking, the way I've at least been rationalizing it is, is like this Goldilocks approach to talking about it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like, we don't want to talk about it too little. So it's like, we don't want to pretend like it's not there and be surprised every time we have to go to the doctor, right, or something or get blood drawn. But we don't want to focus on it too much, right? It's not too much, not too little, it's just right. So we're just mm-hmm. trying to do that. And and so a lot of our conversations with him have been like, he'll be expressing something. And I think he is now at an age or at least a, a stage where he's attributing so much to his CHD. He's like, oh, I get emotional at night because of my CHD. And we have to tell him, well, well, that may be the case, but mostly it's because you're tired, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like when you're tired, you get emotional and that's everyone deals with that. You know, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. going to the doctor and it's like, well, we go to the doctor and we make yeah. it, we really make like a point to show him we take medication every day. Mm-hmm. Like mom and dad have gotten procedures and we have surgery scars on for different things, not our heart. You know, just trying to like keep things all right when it's like, but then, but then also trying to make like, well, there are things that we have to be aware of with your CHD. Well, I think your answer was spot on. I really love that answer that you gave him regarding his concern. And, and you're right. It is a really delicate balance. Um, and, and I love how you talk about normalizing a lot of these very normal issues, you know, not being able to sleep, being overtired, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having procedures, going to the doctor and you're, you know, again, yes, you know, he does have a CHD, but, um, but he can also look at, um, the other parts of himself and really work towards, again, not making that the center of who he is, but just a piece of who he is. Gosh, this was amazing, Tracy. I feel like we could keep talking for hours. But we won't. Thank you so much, uh, Tracy. Love talking to you. Thanks for uh, all the work that you're doing. Again, if we wholeheartedly want to just put uh, an endorsement or an encouragement or a call to action for people to go find this book, it's incredibly practical. Kat and I were talking about it earlier today and just said, we're like, gosh, is it, we're trying to find the right analogy. Is it more like a blueprint or a roadmap or maybe an owner's manual? It's just, it, it just covers so much. It's just the book that um, we wish we had. And we're glad we have it now um, of just covering so many of just the things that go beyond just the surgery and just go into life and living life. Well, um, as a, as a survivor, a heart warrior or a family or community around it. So yeah, if you're listening, go get the book. It's amazing. It's incredible. Healing Hearts and Minds, a holistic approach to coping well with congenital heart disease. So thank you so much, Tracy, for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I really learned so much from this book, Tom, and I love the opportunity of talking to Tracy and getting to know her more and her process behind writing the book and how her and Liza met and just all the practical advice that she 
offer. She's just a, a fountain of wisdom and knowledge in this area of mental health. We're big fans. Big fans. <laughs> uh, one thing that I didn't bring up with her is that you're such a fan of the book that you had it gold-plated and put on a chain. <laughs> and you've been wearing it around the house. Uh, I thought maybe no. that would embarrass you to, to bring that up, but... Well, I but I think it's important to talk about. I did wear the T-shirt I made of her face to the <laughs> interview, so hope she wasn't too weirded out by that. No, uh, I kidding. think she appreciated it. <laughs> no, I I showed her the book while we were doing the interview. I have so many parts of it highlighted and marked, and you know, I just I really love this book. Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's so weird how when we're talking to people, it sometimes just feels like there are topics and areas that are just rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And right now in all of our conversations and interactions really feels like that, um, that needed emotional support ongoing after procedures have been completed. Yeah. Sometimes weeks, months, years, decades afterwards. Right how critical that is and to be speaking to someone who lived it mm -hmm. but it's also a professional in that field speak to these things it really gives it so much more weight yes yeah, such a special unique perspective that she has so one thing i took from our conversation was how important it is to not allow chd to be the thing that defines you right the thing right it can be a thing but i loved how much she fought in her life to define herself as a mother, as a parent, as a professional, as mm -hmm. an author, as all these things that she is, right? And not, I am just my CHD. Right. I, I think that that is not an easy thing to do. That's easier said than done. Um, but I, I don't know, I just really inspired by that, especially as parents. Yeah. It, and it sounded like her parents played a big role in that, you know, and, and her advice that she shared toward the end was that her parents never limited her you know they really gave her the freedom to be all those things you know and to not let chd inhibit her from the things she wanted to do it's a good reminder as parents to to strike that balance well mm -hmm. to um really strive for your kids to have autonomy and independence mm -hmm. And to be able to navigate in the world alone, right? Not right. feel like broken or hurt or helpless, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, we've been there and, and struggled in many ways and had some victories in some other ways. But just a good reminder to keep fighting for that. Right. You know, I think so often we're just focused on getting our kids to live and survive. Right. But we can stay in that mode when they are surviving. Right. You know, yeah. and we need to start thinking like, you know, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around like this person being an independent adult, mm -hmm. you know, when we're just trying to keep them alive and keep them, you know, healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to start thinking about things like, can you navigate in the world? Can you solve problems? Can you, you know, wash your clothes, cook a meal? This like all those things. Regulate your emotions. Yeah. To, like yeah. take your medicine on your own. Right. Just all the things that they're going to have to do if when they are a functioning independent adult right. i think starting out you have to have the hope that they're they're going to be that way right. one day they're going to be an adult and they're going to be able to be independent mm -hmm. and so it's like okay well then if we're working off of we're going to believe that they're going to have significant other relationship they're going to have a job they're going to go to college 
they're going to live on their own. If we're believing that those things are going to happen, then I think we've got to start preparing our kids for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we focus too much on our fear of the future, that those things won't happen, it inhibits our ability to uh, prepare them. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're just focused on day-to-day survival. Right. You know, I think that's something that we, that kind of was a phrase for us early on is, We'd go through an event, right? The big surgery, the big procedure, the long hospital stay. And when you're in those modes, it is survival mode and you should not be ashamed of that. You just need to take it one day at a time and just get through it. Yep. But then you get out of that. And then for us, we would, we would kind of use the phrase of we're going to beat survival mode off with a stick. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like we're going to beat it off with a stick and we're going to start acting like there's a tomorrow and we're going to start acting like there's a next week and a next year and a next decade and we got to be preparing for it and that wasn't easy and that wasn't that's a hard turn to make but it was always really important i always felt like we both kind of independently went like okay i think we're ready to start turning the corner here right let's start talking about that savings account again yeah you know let's start talking about paying down that debt again and and budgeting and just um, and having these conversations with Harding and training him well and in life and stuff, you know. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. In addition to this podcast, we have lots of other resources to help support, encourage, and equip CHD parents. These can all be found at TomandCatHanson.com. You can follow us at TomandCatHanson on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.